If you're struggling daily to get out of bed, find a purpose. And no matter how bad of a day you're having, how bad you're feeling, once you get to start sharing your story and you have that purpose, you'll eventually and hopefully realize that you won't have any of those bad days anymore. This is the Brother Be Well podcast. We're focused on mental health needs for boys and men of color, including trauma and healing. This podcast series is sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Get ready for real talk. And to our parents and caregivers, listen up, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, Content Director for Brother Be Well. Mental health encompasses our emotional health, cognitive health, and relationships. In short, mental health is essential, and as such, it's worth advocating for. It's entirely possible that you can be the advocate or the champion within your own family. Every family needs a mental health advocate, and we at Brother Be Well feel very strongly about that statement. And yet, many don't know what mental health advocacy really means. It's actually a profession, for instance, and we'll talk about that in a second, and a career path that one could follow. But it's also a mindset or a way of living that can be employed by anyone in your family, including you. Having an advocate within the family can make all of the difference in the world to a loved one battling mental illness. During this conversation, we'll talk about mental health advocacy, and we're going to talk about it with one of my buddies, Dr. Carlos Martinez, an associate marriage and family therapist with one of our value production partners, hearyou.org. Dr. Carlos Martinez, Dr. C, how's it going? Good, Mike. Thanks. Good seeing you. Really good to see you. Let's get into this. I've been waiting to talk to you about it. How would you describe a mental health advocate, Dr. Carlos? That's a good question. I would say mental health advocate's a hero. You know, they're they're fighting that fight and they don't get a lot of recognition for it. They don't have a cape and and, and, and all that all that stuff that goes with it. So a mental health advocate is someone who, like you said, you know, they can share their mental health struggles with other people or they can fight for those who are having their own share of issues and help them walk through that system. And I love the way you put it. You probably, if you look behind me, the hero, I don't know if you you came up with that one because you see my backdrop that resonates with me. And I think it's pretty powerful because they can do that as, as, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, as silently or as loudly as is comfortable for them, right? They can figure out where they fit and what their lane is. We'll talk about that in just a second. Perhaps more than anything else, Dr. Carlos, mental health advocates are the foil of stigma. And as we know, stigma has really set up shop in our society and especially in communities of color. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important from your perspective that we remove stigma from the equation and not allow it to have a home in our families and communities? Yeah, I mean, stigma in general, I mean, to be honest, it's isolating, right? When, when, when there's a mental health issue or even, even when there's people who are different from the community, they're te- those people tend to be isolated. There's a stigma. It's stigmatic. So whether it's a mental health issue, a medical issue, color of your skin, whoever you pray to, or even a career, what you do for a job, it can be stigmatizing. Uh, even for me as a therapist, you know, if I can share a quick story, uh, my wife and I, we're, we're meeting some, with some friends out of state. They bring another couple. We're all just hanging out, having, you know, having some uh, Dr. Peppers and water and some great fancy cheeses and crackers. And, we, you know, we're catching up. They're introducing us to the other couple. And our friends sit here and say, Carlos, congratulations on your doctorate. Oh, my gosh. Great job. And the husband next to us says, oh, yeah, doctorate in what? Oh, this guy is a therapist. He's got his doctorate. And all of a sudden, the guy who was sitting next to me 
having a great conversation. He just shuts his mouth. And it finally came out like, oh, no, no, I'm going to close my mouth because I know about you therapists. And every time I talk, you're analyzing me. And there was a stigma. He he didn't joke around after that. He did, you know, there was no conversation. He was stoic. He was like an oak tree, didn't even move. So even with that, there's a stigma. So it's not, you know, mental health career, clever skin, glasses, no glasses, hair, no hair. There's stigma and it isolates us from people. And as being humans, we need to be around people. Wow, that's such a story. And uh, at first, I thought you you, you were going to say he was joking, but he, if he shut down, he was completely yeah. serious. He was yeah, he, he was, was. Uh, nervous about being around you and didn't want to talk. Wow. Let's talk about uh, mental health advocacy as a career path. I've just learned that it's a career path. There's an organization here in, in Sacramento in Northern California where Brother Rewell is housed called Cal Voices, and they employ several. If, if you happen to be interested, you're listening to this or watching, go to calvoices.org, that's C-A-L-V-O-I-C-E-S.org, and you can find out if they've got mental health advocate uh, positions posted right now. The question for you, Dr. Carlos, I'm, I'm wondering about in your work as an associate marriage and family therapist, do you work directly with mental health advocates? And if so, what's the nature of that interaction? If you yeah. could kind of walk us through that, because you're both working toward the same goal. So I'm just curious about how you Great. work with that person. Right, right. So there's different types of advocates, right? There's a uh, legislative, there's the organizational advocates, uh, and then there's the self-advocates. So in my experience as an associate marriage and family therapist, I've worked with the self-advocates. So the clients, right? Someone has an issue, they have a concern, they set up an appointment, they come to me or people like me, and we work through their problems. They're advocating for themselves to feel better, get better, sound better. Um, of self-disclosure in my full-time job. I'm doing this ther- therapy job part-time. In my full-time job, I'm a first responder, specifically a police officer. Got almost 18 years of, of service under my belt. I did about eight years working a patrol aspect. And since then, I've been working in mental health crisis, specifically the admin side. So I'm on steering committees with people from local hospitals, local co- school districts local community mental health centers. And even though we all have different perspectives, we all have different underlying missions within our organization, we're all fighting for that bigger mission in providing better mental health care, and in my case, mental health diversion to consumers of services. So we all come from different backgrounds. It can be frustrating, right, because we all want a piece of the pie. But at the end of the day, we all come back and say, hey, we're fighting, we're advocating for the consumer. Just as a bit of an aside, Dr. Carlos, uh, we've talked on this platform about police officers, and thank you for your service to the community, by the mm-hmm. way. We've, we've talked about police officers being called via 911 to to respond to mental health emergencies, but traditionally, most police officers aren't trained in how to handle a mental health emergency. Yeah. And so it's so great to hear that there's going to be someone in the system, so to speak, like you. you you'll know both sides of that puzzle, and you can you know, down the road, I don't know, you could help train or coach at least or, or mentor other police officers and right. help prepare them for the inevitable. So hats off no, to thank you, you, man. That's thank you so much. Thank you so doing. much. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm not the only one. There are, there are others out there like me. So thank you. Thank you again. That's fantastic. Let's talk about um, the, some of the details, drill a little deeper into this mental health mm-hmm. advocacy stuff. According to the National Association on Mental Illness or NAMI, you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secret on social media 
to be a mental health advocate. And anyone on social media, because we all know those people, right? You don't have to do that to be an advocate. You can share your story very privately, just friend to friend, with a neighbor, with a loved one, or you don't have to share it at all yet if you're not ready to share it yet. If, if you don't mind, Dr. Carlos, can you share the process, the first steps of becoming a mental health advocate? What can those first few steps look like for someone watching this video or listening to this conversation and you think you might want to step into that role? What are those first couple of steps yeah. look like? Yeah, sure. So um, we'll take, take two different approaches to it, right? The, the self-advocate and the advocate who wants to work for an organization or something like that. So as far as self-advocacy, educate yourself. Read a book, watch a video. I mean, there, there are a lot of great Hollywood movies out there. Well, there are a few great Hollywood movies out there that can really, that really hone in on severe mental illnesses. Uh, there's a lot of great books out there, podcasts, things like that. And then hook up with National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, and they can help you advocate for yourself. In turn, you can pay it forward, volunteer with NAMI. You can advocate for the masses. You can even get on social media, anonymous blogs, anonymous YouTube videos. There's a bunch of things out there. TikTok, right? TikTok videos. That's, that's, that's a new platform. Bottom line, though, simple, easy steps. Educate yourself on what you have going on. And when you're ready, share your story. Love it. Really appreciate it, Dr. Carlos. You mentioned NAMI. They, they've outlined a few strategies um, and activities that you can employ if you're interested in getting involved. Can you walk us through some of them? Um, the first is, I think, supporting someone who needs help. And that sounds yeah. so basic, but for some people, you know, they, they might have the heart to support someone, but they just don't yeah. know how. What can that look like? Yeah, the, the easiest thing and the first step when you're trying to support someone, family, friend, coworker, whoever, is to listen. And listen, listening is probably one of the most difficult things that we can do, but something that we can have practice in many times a day, many hours during the day. So when it comes to listening, a lot of times it's not about problem solving. I'm guilty of trying to listen to someone and I hear them talking about a problem and I'll sit here and go, oh, you know what? I see how to fix that. Do this, do this, do this, and your problems will go away. And many times that's not really what someone's looking for. Many times I just want to feel like, hey, I'm not alone. So I suggest often to people and myself just to validate the person's feelings. That must be so hard. I, I, feel, I, I feel what, you're, what we've been through. I've been through that. I, I, I know how hard that is. And let them know that their feelings are totally okay. One of the things you talk about listening before we go into the next question, I, I want to ask you and just checking in to see if this technique is, is helpful there, Dr. Carlos. I learned years ago to ask the person I'm listening to, what do you need from me? Sometimes yeah. they just want you to listen. They don't want to know what I think. Yeah. Other times they're asking for advice. Yes. Sometimes they're looking for a critique, you know, a really very a little more critical listening ear. So in terms of being an advocate, is it helpful to say, tell me, tell me what you need. Tell me what you want me to give you so that I know that I'm giving you what you need. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, as my initials say, AMFT, Associate Marriage and Family Therapist. So I work with a, a lot of couples. And one of the things with the couples I work with and when they're advocating for the sake of their relationship, whether it's dating or marriage, 
part of the communication skills and listening. And a lot of times there are people who just want to problem solve where the other person's like, no, I don't want you to solve my problems. I just want you to listen to me. So that, going with what you said, Michael, is one of the best things you can do up front so you can establish those boundaries and set yourself up for winning, not failing. I love that. Set yourself up for winning, not failing. I'm, I'm going to hang on to that one, Dr. Carlos. Another thing, that. I will. Uh, uh, another thing that NAMI tells us that, that you might want to do is volunteer at a local mental health organization. Um, I, I don't know if your organization here, you.org, I don't know if you guys employ volunteers, but I'm wondering what some of the, are you aware of some organizations that, that, that are looking for volunteers here in Northern California? NAMI has a Sacramento chapter. There's yeah, Mental right. Health America of California, and there's also Stock, Stop Stigma Sacramento. We were talking about, uh, stigma a little earlier. So those are some uh, Northern California area agencies, but I'm wondering from your perspective, are you familiar with any others where they might be looking for some volunteers? Yeah, well, obviously NAMI, right? NAMI is national. Go to NAMI.org website. You Google it, take it down to state level, take it down to zip code level. And NAMI is always looking for volunteers and trying to bring people in and focus on their strengths with whatever you have to offer. I'm not, unfortunately, located in Northern California. I'm down in the Los Angeles area in, in, the, in, the, in Southern California. Uh, there's Airport Marina Counseling Service out by uh, LA International Airport. That's where I did a lot of my traineeship. And they, they have, they're a nonprofit, very small. They offer in a shoestring budget. I'm going to say that 10 times fast. Um, not only are they looking for things like donations, but let's face facts, right? With the price of gas, who has a little extra money to spend, they'll take sweat equity, you know, sweat labor. Go in there, do little thing, you know, stuff envelopes, uh, volunteer with, with activities and things like that they have. So there's, pl- there's plenty of places out there if you know where to look. Cliche answer, blanket answer, Google, Google your local zip code. Uh, make a phone call, send them an email. Yeah, those are some great, they, they might be cliches, but they're uh, quite effective and, and some yes. great ways to find some volunteer resources. And generally speaking, volunteering is a great way to get more experience or kind of get your feet wet in a number of ways. My, I'm thinking back to myself, my very first broadcasting job was a volunteer. I was being paid, yep. I was sitting in a radio studio. I didn't know what I was doing and, yep. you know, it, it can lead to something else. So appreciate that. Um, attending a walk. We were talking about NAMI earlier. Every year here in Sacramento, I, I attend and participate in the Walk for Mental Health. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the exact name of it, but if you go to NAMI's website, you can find out they do an annual walk. I'm wondering if you're familiar with other organizations that do things like that, where you can actually get out, kind of press the flesh with other people like you who are interested in, yeah. in being an advocate. Are you familiar with others? Yeah, I'll, I'll pump them at NAMI Walk again because we have it in L.A. County uh, for the last 12 years. My son was in, in a stroller. We've been doing it every single year aside from the ones that canceled from COVID. So it was really awesome, you know, to rub elbows with people and donate money, get, even get, get some exercise. And the, my kids are starting to understand the importance of mental health, who in our family has their share of mental health issues and how we can support and advocate for, for them. Um, aside for other things going on. Uh, well, for example, I'm gonna, I'll, you know, I'll promote my my former uh, practicum site, uh, Airport Marina Counseling Service in uh, in the city of Los Angeles. They used to have a walk uh, down by the beach, and not, I don't think they do that anymore. But every single every year, they have uh, holiday home home tours, uh, volunteer 
homeowners will decorate their houses and they'll have you know, gingerbread cookies and hot chocolate, things like that. So they'll, they'll charge a little bit, walk around the tours, sing Christmas carols. It's actually a really great time. And other things you can volunteer with. I know with this agency and organization, they'll have a big gala. They'll have silent auctions and things like that. So basically boils down to what's in your area, what they have available. Just plug yourself in, see what you can do. It's a great, easy step. And anybody can do that. Anybody mm-hmm. with a, a smartphone or if you've got internet access, just check it out and see what's available in your area. I'm thinking about Dr. Carlos as I was as I was thinking about that person sitting, listening, or watching this video. They want to be a mental health advocate, and, and where can they really make a difference? And I couldn't help but think of engaging local politicians um, to prioritize mental health. There, there's so much right now. It's a pet peeve of mine. Every, every time we, and I have to say every time, that makes me a little sad, but you know, every time the media covers a, a mass shooting, Someone says this is a mental health issue, whether it is or not. That's a whole separate conversation. But a lot of times politicians use that as a soundbite. But the reality is, I don't think that, frankly, Congress is doing enough right now. Can you offer us any tips on how to introduce the question or issue about mental health targeting a politician for whom mental health might not really be on their radar and maybe for the person, the, the potential advocate where they're not so used to talking and you offer some tips on how to introduce that to a local politician. Yeah. So for the individual, right. Squeaky gets to grease. I think that's how the saying goes. Emails, phone calls, whether it's a, a state politician, county board of supervisors, or even just your local municipal uh, council person, give them a call and say, meet and greet, call and set up an appointment and have a conversation with them. And then you can go bigger to like the national level. Once again, you know, I'm going to pump up NAMIA as well because they do, they do legislation. They're in Sacramento doing things, lobbying for mental health advocacy, mental health laws, changes in mental health laws that have been around since the 1960s. So respectfully make some noise is, is what I'm trying to get at. Do it respectfully, get out there and, 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 talk to people and get a get a band behind you get get other people who are out there who are, who are willing to to advocate with you and be that hero and it's so important and i think it's 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 relatively easy it's it's hard to talk about any issue that you you're not used to talking about right the first time you talk about it it might seem a little clunky but uh once you do it one or two times it's so very important that we hold our uh politicians feet to the fire i think and not just yeah. talk about it when they've got a tv camera in their face they've really got to start to prioritize it, I think. Sorry, I didn't mean to get up on that politician uh, soapbox there. Another path to mental health advocacy might be correcting those who use stigmatizing language. And we talked about stigma a little bit earlier. For a lot of people, I, I tend to be more extroverted. So it's, re- it's easy for me to say, what are you talking about? Why did you say that? Maybe you should find a different way to say that. But for some yeah. people, confronting the source of a stigmatized message might be a little daunting. And right. especially is part of the parents and caregiver series, I think that for younger people, younger generations, if the source of the stigma is an older person, that might be really mm-hmm. hard. Can you give us any tips or give our listeners and viewers any tips on how they can confront the source of that stigma to help correct that behavior and correct those words a little bit? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, when it comes to the older population, I think that's probably the most difficult conversation to have. Personally, it's one of those things where is it something that I can dance around? And I, and I really, honestly, I hate to say that because 
people need to be educated. Sometimes people are just stuck in their in their ways. Sometimes people are open. You never know. But I suggest at least try to start that conversation. And when you do start that conversation, whether it's introverts or a difficult population, someone who's an elder in the family, try your best to approach that conversation with love and understanding and especially respect, right? Especially if it's a, a, a patriarch or a matriarch in the family. Um, now, if you're in public, that, that can be something different, right? Because you can be with someone who's your, your own age or a family party with little kids as well, too. Above always, be mindful of your audience. You may not want to sit here and, and, and shoot someone out if they say something that's very, very stick However, you may need to at that time. So once again, I try to follow the philosophy of love and respect. If you can hold it and you remember it, talk to them offline when it's just a one-on-one. I think that's better. But if you have to confront them in the moment, love and respect is, is the best way to do it. I appreciate that, Dr. Carlos. And, and before we move on to my final question, I'm, I'm just wondering about some specific messages. When we're talking about stigma, there's a whole... Um, I know there's a video or two specifically where we're talking about stigma, a whole series of them, stigma in a variety of uh, people of color communities. But yeah. some of the, the phrases that, that someone might hear is are, are something like, you know, someone shares what they're going through. And if you say, well, that's stupid. Or if you say, oh, just get over it. If someone comes to you and they, they're telling you that they might be depressed, just get over it. You should be able to yeah. power through that. All of those are stigmatizing messages that yes. unfortunately we've gotten used to hearing. Yeah. So you got to kind of train your ear to pick up on it. And then just, as you said, I love the way you said it, love and respect. You're not, you're not trying to be confrontational, but that's just really not going to work when we're talking about mental health. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. I remember having a conversation with my mom uh, as a teenager going through our issues. My, my parents divorced when I was a teen in, in freshman year of high school, roughly. And we're talking about my mom, about how stressed I was. And I, I totally, well, now I understand, but at that time, she's moving out of the house. She's working part time. She's going to have to fend for herself. And she, you know, she looks at me and she's like, why are you stressed out? You don't have bills to pay. Right. And, you know, she, she didn't call me stupid. She didn't call me any, any negative or derogatory terms. But just that, that statement, when I was looking to vent and I wanted validation, she shut me down. And I never said anything about feelings after that. For, for a long time, never talked about my feelings with her. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it was an invalidation of your feelings. And, yeah, and right. so, as a, again, as a young person, I, I kind of feel for um, young people who um, have been told, either directly or otherwise, not to share your feelings. So, right. So, yeah, that's why we're here. That's why Brother Be Will is here, to try to create a platform where we can talk about these things and yeah. other people can talk about what they're, what they're dealing with. Break the cycle. For sure. For absolute sure. Before we wrap this conversation up, Dr. Carlos, do you have any additional words of wisdom that you can offer to anyone yeah, it, listening or watching? No, no, of course. You know, and, and I'll, I'll end it with words from my mom, right? So um, she, she passed away a couple of days before Christmas in, in, 20, in 2019. So still fresh. Cancer took her life. So I remember a few days before she had passed away. I'd given her a call just to check in with her because I hadn't talked to her or seen her in a few days. And she had a really scraggly voice, sound really, really tired. So I'm like, oh, oh, mommy, you know, you you sound like you're having a really rough, a really bad day. And, she, it's, and after I made that statement, it sounded like she mustered every 
bit of energy in her and she yelled at me and said, I don't have bad days, mijo. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to you later. So point of my story with that, though, is if you're interested in becoming an advocate for yourself, if you're interested in advocating for other people, um, one, start off with acknowledging that there is an issue. Whether there's an issue within yourself or if you see a gap in your community and you want to fight for those people, acknowledge it. Educate yourself. If and, it's, and, and when it comes to self-advocacy, if you're battling with something, if you're struggling daily to get out of bed, find a purpose, whatever that purpose may be. And then once you find a purpose, you can slowly share your story with other people or help other people share their stories, depending on which type of advocacy you decide to do. And no matter how bad you're, of a day you're having, how bad you're feeling, once you get to start sharing your story and you have that purpose, you'll eventually and hopefully realize that you won't have any of those bad days anymore. Dr. Carlos, if you'll allow me to say so, um, we've gotten to be, I've known you now for a little amount of time. You've got such a calming way about you. And I, I can't wait to see all the things that you're going to do as a therapist. And I, again, I'm really, um, to think that there's a police officer on the street with your temperament, your your level of care. It just, <laughs> I think your community's in good shape to have you there. So thank you for I'm, your service. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful. Thank, thank you so much. Some someone rose. Up, the temperature is getting a little, a little warm in here. A little, it is a little, little shy. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, no problem, Dr. Carlos Martinez, Associate Marriage and Family Therapist with one of our valued production partners here. You dot org. Dr. Carlos, we'll see you next time. See you. Thank you. You take it easy. And I want to thank you for listening in to this podcast or watching this video. I also want to thank our sponsor for this one and all the videos in our uh, Parents and Caregiver series. Blue Shield of California, and specifically their Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support, and you can read all about it at this website, bluesky.blueshieldca.com. That's bluesky.blueshieldca.com. While I'm at it, let me tell you about another website, our own, brotherbewell.com. If you've enjoyed this video, you can see videos just like this one, the entire Parents and Caregiver series or other series and, and videos on a variety of other behavioral health topics, mental health topics, audio podcasts as well, print pieces, links to resources, all designed to help boys and men of color be well. Those boys and men of color are 12 and up and they're African-American, Latinx, Asian and Pacific Islander and Native and Indigenous and the LGBTQIA plus community members that enhance those communities. So all of that's at brotherbewell.com. We're a membership-supported service, and memberships are free right now. So get on that website if you would. Now's the time. Sign up as a member. You'll be our newest Brother Be Well member. Give us your email address, and you'll sign up for our blog. And then two or three times a week, when videos just like this one go live, you'll be the first one to know about it. So check that all out at brotherbewell.com. My name is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well, and I want to encourage you, please do two things for me before I let you go. Take great care of yourself, and then when you get that down or you start to get it down, Grab somebody who's struggling and help take care of them too. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsor, Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. It takes a village, and we're doing our part to address and heal trauma while supporting parents and caregivers along the way. Thanks for stopping by, and remember, my brothers, be well.